following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Mick Shots. Streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. And we are back for another edition of Mix Shots. It is a Senior Bowl edition of Mix Shots. We've got our Super Bowl matchup all set. And the Cowboys now, what is it, one, two, three weeks into the 2021 offseason. We've got so much to get caught up on as uh, we welcome you to another edition of Mix Shots. As Mickey Spagnola is inside the SWBC Mortgage Studios at Ford Center at the Star in uh, Frisco. Ready for duty. Everson Walls inside his own SWBC Mortgage Studio at his home. And I am as well. And uh, y'all ready for a Super Bowl matchup of quarterbacks? What do y'all think? I am so sick of quarterbacks right now. <laughs> Go ahead, Spags. I'll get into that crap later. I am so sick of quarterbacks right now. Jeez. <laughs> I have to have my own show for that one. Go ahead, Spags. No, Everson, I didn't say quarterbacks. A Super Bowl matchup of cornerbacks. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> Looking forward to it, William. Thank you, sir. Smoking like a true defensive back, right? <laughs> Mickey, you got to be uh, you got to be excited that that, uh, that uh, this is a Senior Bowl week that uh, you're able to monitor things from a distance. It is we're a week away from Media Day at the Super Bowl, and you got to do that from a distance. But you got to be excited that the Cowboys are now three weeks into this, and there's not much not much to talk about as far as this coaching staff right now. That things have, are resolved. Yeah, well, uh, it looks like it's resolved. Uh, I, I don't know. There may be – I don't know if there's another move coming or not. Um, I'm still looking at that linebacker position, uh, coaching position. We'll see what uh, ends up happening uh, there. But, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sort of with uh, Everson on the quarterback thing. Not so much uh, the uh, Mahomes – uh, but can we get a little bit more of Tom Brady on how spectacularly <laughs> he played in the game with three consecutive interceptions? You know, and I thought he was really good afterwards when they interviewed him on the field when he basically said, hey, go talk to some of the other guys, right? Maybe go talk to those defensive guys, right? Uh, maybe go – Yes. Maybe go uh, – Maybe go interview uh, Green Bay, right, and uh, figure out uh, why the. No, no, go 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 interview the cornerback for Green Bay, number twenty. Well, I, I got I got a comparison on that one too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> or, or the head coach who decides kicking field goals is a really good thing, right? And when we get into this, Bill, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into the Cowboys making that same sort of decisions. Uh, in the 2009 divisional round playoff game against Minnesota, uh, when the Cowboys went up against a team that was nearly averaging 30 points a game. And in their last two games in the regular season, they scored 30 and 44. Yet the Cowboys on fourth and one uh, at the thir Minnesota 38 decided, let's just try a field goal against this team because. As we know, the more field goals you attempt, the closer you are to losing. So uh, I, I think those are the things that really decided this game, all right? Well, and the, Every and the difference there, Mickey. right now has a target on Spagnola's back. I like that. <laughs> the more field goals you kick, the closer you are to losing. Well, in that case, it was definitely true uh, for the Green Bay Packers. But let's be real, guys. And, I, you know, I, I start off talking about the quarterbacks and things of that nature. I know that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, I actually recall, uh, because I was playing at the time when they decided to put the quarterbacks officially into their own club. And, and yeah, let's market quarterbacks even more. 
And so uh, that uh, as a defensive player and as a man trying to make his own livelihood at doing the same things that the quarterbacks are doing, I took offense to it, but it is what it is right now. So here we are. Every time we comment on the football game, it's always from what the quarterback is thinking, as if no one else on that particular team has any thought process, individual thought process in their heads. They don't have a life. They're just drones. You know, you guys just go do your job. The quarterback is the guy. It's like the queen bee. That's what the quarterback is. <laughs> All right, so Green Bay's queen bee been getting praise all year long, deservedly so. Been making plays all year long on his own. It just seemed like he was a coach on the field. Don't worry about Aaron Rodgers. He's going to do his job no matter what. If there's a mistake that's made, it, Aaron Rodgers will get the benefit of the doubt in any questionable situation. And that's pretty much any quarterback, unless you're Dak, Dak Prescott, I guess. So here it is. You have a chance, as Aaron Rodgers, to do what you do. You're down in the red zone. You've got a chance to either run or throw. Your decision-making process has always been on point and quick at the time. And all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers gets pressure on him, not just that particular play, but as the game goes on, you can feel him panicking. You can see that he's not as poised as he was. He's not Joe Cool anymore. Now, all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers makes a, a, an instant mistake. It just happened just very quickly. You have a chance to either pass or run on third down. I don't care if you know that the, co the coach wants to kick a field goal afterwards or not. It doesn't matter what the play call is afterwards. When you have a chance to, to get as many yards as possible running, Versus throwing it to your wide receiver, who's not quite that open, the pressure's on you, you make that decision pretty quick. It's a no-brainer. But not for Aaron Rodgers. Did, not only did he, not, did he do it once, he did it twice in the same particular situation to where that uh, moment of hesitancy, which he's never had during the season, cost him uh, effectiveness in that play. And to me, those two mistakes really led to the uh, difference in the ball game. And that's on your quarterback who, MVP of the year, all of that. Everybody, guys, needs a teammate. Everybody needs teammates to pull them out of the fire. I don't care if you're Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, it doesn't matter. Aaron Rodgers was supposed to be the guy to make that play. He didn't make the plays, plays twice because he did it. On the other hand, Tom Brady, three interceptions, second half, what did his defense do? They stopped the momentum from the Green Bay Packers because their defense stepped up. And my, my illustration is this. It's a team game. Let's stop making this about one position. I am so tired of it. Defensive players, offensive linemen, they have families too. They have parents, okay? They have, you know, aspirations to do other things. They play football. They might want to be coaches, but they don't get that benefit because all we talk about is the importance of quarterbacks. We got to get out of this, guys, because it's a team game. See, and, and I understand what you're talking about on the third down play, but here's what should have taken place. Uh, Matt LaFleur should have told uh, Aaron Rodgers on, on third and goal from the eight, you've got two plays to score a touchdown. Because if I think he knew ahead of time that he had a fourth down play, he could have taken off and run. And even if he didn't get in, he would at least got inside the five. Might have been to the two or three, right? I think to about the two. Yeah, yeah I thought the two-yard line. And, he could have easily gotten to so the And so if he had known that, I think – and that's why a lot of head coaches, when they're not the offensive coordinator, they'll tell their offensive coordinator, okay, we're in four-down territory here. You know, call a play on third down, but no, you got fourth down. So instead of uh, throwing a pass in that situation, maybe you run the ball to get closer to make the fourth down more makeable. But you just can't kick a field goal. And, and, and think about this, Everson. 
when, when, when you guys went to San Francisco and won that NFC title game, what was it, 15-13 or whatever it to was? 13, Okay. Yes. The key thing. That ball hit the, hit the field goal to win it. The key thing in, in that game was you guys had the ball at the end. You did not put the ball in Joe Montana's hands at the end of the game. Do not put the ball. Well, Steve Young, Steve Young at the time, oh, we had Steve? knocked Joe out. Yeah, oh, that's Steve right. Young. Yeah. You don't give them that yeah. opportunity, right? Uh, you don't give Tom Brady the opportunity to salt a game away. Uh, and I thought that's where they made their mistake. And if you look at the other game uh, with McDermott, he's kicking field goals. No. <laughs> Kansas City's going to score 30 points. I don't care you know, what, what everything like says. You brought up before my rant, Spags. It's, you can't kick field goals against a team that averages 30-plus points a game. You're and, right. And, and that's what they did. They kicked field goals. And, you know, it. Gosh, it, it would have been, I think, what was it, halftime was 21-12. you got to go for the touchdown at the end there and, and, and score. Oh, I, I just I, – and, and so since I started here, uh, I'll go back to the Cowboys playoff game in Minnesota, uh, 2009 season. The Cowboys win 11-5. Minnesota uh, finished the season 12-4. And 10 of 16 games, they had scored 30 points. They were going to score on you. So the Cowboys' first possession uh, in that game that they ended up losing 34-3, to uh, they drove. They were moving the football. Wow. They got a first and 10 <laughs> at the Minnesota 34. And on third and 14, Romo gets sacked and, and fumbles. On the second possession, they're fourth and one at the 30. Fourth and one at the 30 against a team that's going to score 30 points on you. And Wade Phillips decides, well, we're going to have Sweezum kick a 48-yard field goal. Well, guess what? He misses. It's still 0-0 until uh, Brett Favre hits Sidney Rice for a 47-yard touchdown. And even at that, the Cowboys come back the next possession, first and goal at the 9. At the 9. And they end up third and goal at the 15 because they end up with a minus one, a minus one, and then a sack again, and they kick a 33-yard field goal. And if you look at the first possession of the second half, they're only down 17 to three. First and 10 at the 23, a run, minus seven, and third and 14, a sack, another field goal attempt, and he misses again. Uh, and, and, and then they throw an interception, they're down 23, and ball game's over. Can't be kicking field goals. And the bottom line in that game, as I remember you guys, and, and Everson, you, I'm sure you played in the Metrodome, it was so loud. Oh, it was so loud. The Cowboys' <laughs> offensive line didn't have a chance, right? Romo ends up getting sacked six times. He got hit another 10 times, and they had 11, Minnesota had 11 tackles for losses. So we look at it, and oh, Romo didn't win the game. No, the offensive line got their butts whipped because it was so loud. They, were, they couldn't get off the ball uh, on time. And then it played out in 2010 when that offensive line just got old overnight. Uh, and we saw what happened with that one and seven season. So, to me, the bottom line: you're playing playoff games, boy. You better be scoring touchdowns, and you better protect your quarterback. You got. You have to know your opponent, uh, Spags. You know that Kansas City is gonna go off, and they're like a streak shooter. Once they score, they're gonna continue. You're not going to hold them to field goals, and if you do, they're going to come back and score a touchdown on the ensuing drive, most likely. So that's things that you have to be aware of. You have to know your opponent. Getting back to the Aaron Rodgers situation and that decision, uh, whether you want to go uh, kick a field goal on fourth down or not, whether you are aware of what the coach wants, to me, Spags, I can't allow Aaron Rodgers to be that naive Okay. Oh, well, well, coach didn't tell me. Well, you're Aaron Rodgers. 
Okay, that's all I've been hearing. You're Aaron Rodgers. You should know that this is a possibility. And I'm surprised they didn't discuss it. Why would you send me? Why would you say, okay, you call this third down play? And me as a quarterback would say, okay, so that's it. We're just going to call this third down play. What's happening after that? Quarterbacks and coaches go over every scenario. I cannot just say and give Aaron Rodgers the power to say, oh, I didn't know what we were going to do on fourth down. Well, that should have been part of the discussion when the third down play was called. Exactly. You can't go into a third down play you understand, Maybe it was without discussed. knowing <laughs> what you're going to do on fourth. I can't give him that, that leeway there. So... Maybe, I can't, I can't maybe, put that on just the maybe, coach or just Aaron Rodgers. Both of them should have known, okay, if we don't make this third down, what are we going to do on fourth down? It's, 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 to me, that's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. Like, that'd be like Chris not knowing how to produce. I would, we wouldn't have him back there if he didn't talk about all the things that might happen during the show. Uh-huh. Otherwise, we don't need him. That's it. Maybe Matt LaFleur did tell Aaron Rodgers before the third down play we're kicking a field goal if we don't score a touchdown. And, and that's why Rodgers made the decision that he, did, in his own mind, I can't get to the end zone, so I got to throw it. I don't know. Uh, I, I have no idea if that happened or not. And, but and you, you the, the decision tell, throughout the, the ball game, the pressure on these guys was immense. And when I say these guys, I mean the Green Bay offense. So not just the uh, Aaron Rodgers and the offense on the field. But the coaches are feeling the pressure on the sideline as well. All of a sudden, everybody's out of the whack. No one is, 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 you know, going through the procedures that they always go through in a calm situation. And that's, that's why they always say, guys, pressure will bust a pipe. You can imagine what it will do to a human being. And, and that's why a coach makes a decision like that to kick a field goal that makes no sense whatsoever. There was, it made no sense to kick that field goal. Well, when you, it, especially just, when you consider... Go ahead, Mickey. I was going to say, just like it made no sense to chase the two-point conversion when an uh, extra point puts them down seven points instead of being down nine. They don't nine. take into account. That's right. They don't take into account that, okay, what if the other team kicks a field goal on their next possession? Yeah, and exactly. Now, <laughs> yeah, and now you, you have to not only score a touchdown but also a two-point conversion. I mean, you just put yourself in that position. Um, Here's the other thing when you, it, when it was, you mentioned pressure. Tampa Bay's defense sacked Aaron Rodgers five times. They hit him another eight times. Now, I know they didn't have David Bakhtiari, uh, their starting offensive tackle, but, boy, that, that just goes to show you how important in these games it is to protect your quarterback. Uh, Brady only got sacked one time. They couldn't get to him, right? And, and he's throwing deep. He's throwing deep, and, and, and they can't get to him. Uh, so uh, that offensive line in these games is vitally, vitally important uh, to the success of what your quarterback may uh, or, or, or may not have. I mean, Mahomes is 37 of 49. Get out of here, right? And he wasn't <laughs> scrambling for his life. 37 of 49 for 462 yards. And this Buffalo defense had played well previously. Yes, they had. Well, when you look at the Tampa Bay Green Bay game, uh, one more note on the on the field goal. It was just like Kevin Stefanski the week before in the Cleveland uh, game, where uh, they it was an almost identical situation, just different part of the field. Where they're down five, okay, and they opt. They're at, you're asking your defense to do the exact same thing if you don't make it on fourth down, okay? You have to stop the other team. So you might as well, in this case, give your Hall of Fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers an opportunity on fourth down to win the game for you or to tie the game for you. And secondly, uh, I mean, if you're if you're giving the football up, whether 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 you're you fail on fourth down or you kick it on fourth down, you have to stop Tom Brady. And so you might as well give your guy a chance. And the same thing happened the week before with Baker Mayfield and, and uh, Cleveland. The other thing as far as getting pressure on Rodgers in Tampa Bay, and how about Shaq Barrett and JPP, 
Jason Pierre-Paul, at whatever age he is right now, they're the one. Because remember, Tampa Bay was playing throughout that second half without both their starting safeties. They play the entire game without a guy that should be in serious consideration for defensive rookie of the year, Antoine Winfield, who is out. And then they lose Whitehead. Uh, and, and so the, those edge rushers uh, basically won the game for them uh, defensively by getting pressure on Rodgers and uh, taking him out of his game. No, absolutely. And so, you know, it's it's good to see other teams have problems like this, right? <laughs> this is what happens to the Cowboys, right? The Cowboys never get beat. There's always a reason for it, right? No, they're not. They, they're, there's never, well, they weren't good enough. No, there's always one play or one coaching decision that makes the difference. So it's nice to see somebody else have some problems. And Emerson, how about this? You're talking about uh, the pressure bursting pipes and, and coaches' decisions and so forth. How about Bruce Arians at the end of the first half? Okay, here's a veteran coach, and they were about to punt the football away with eight seconds left in the half. And then he, and then he thought about it, and okay, yeah, let's go ahead and take a shot. Okay, yes, and, right. and there was some risk, I guess, involved there because if you don't complete that and you give the ball back to, and then Rogers, the king of the hail mary, uh, you know, gets an opportunity to to heave it downfield. But uh, but they came, Arians came that close to not making that decision to give Brady an opportunity to burn Kevin King on the touchdown pass to Scotty Miller at the end of the first half. Brady already had his cape on. He, he had gone to the sideline assuming they were going to punt. He had the cape on. Turns out, Mickey, turns out, Mickey, it was a Superman cape he had on. Yeah, right, exactly. Well, and you know what? Be, let's be real, guys. And you know what? Go you know ahead, what? Spence. You know what that reminded me of? You remember the end of the half in the '94 NFC title game that the Cowboys fell behind 21 nothing. I believe they were down uh, 24 to 10 at that point, if I remember correctly. I may not. It might have been 20. Uh, I think it was 24-10, and there was mere seconds left uh, in the half. And San Francisco had the ball at the 28-yard line. And he ends up throwing a touchdown pass. I believe it was to Jerry Rice, of all people, right? And Larry Brown gets lost on the play and gets beat when basically they had one play left or two plays left. The last thing you can do is let Jerry Rice get behind you, right? And they end up throwing a touchdown pass, similar to that. How do you let anybody get behind you to score a touchdown with one second to go? It's, it's, it's uh, not only ridiculous in that manner, Spags. This is something that Brady does often. This is no surprise. You know, it's one of those things where, you know what, might as well take a shot. When you're around the 50-yard line, when you're around midfield, Defensive backs always know this is when quarterbacks like to take a shot. It's a no-lose situation for the offense. If they make the touchdown, of course, it's great. If they don't, then you still got the field position game one because if you punt the ball away, then most likely you're going to have their offense deep down in, the, in, the, in the, their part of the, uh, the field. So this is something that Brady has done before. He did it in New England many times. And so to me, that was a matter of, okay, uh, hey, coach, I want to give this a try. We don't need to worry about uh, putting this ball. Like you said, there's only a few seconds left in the half. Let me give it a try. What can we lose? He's done it before. It's a strategic, uh, very strategic way to end the half as far as I'm concerned. And this, I'm, I'm very surprised that the Green Bay secondary wasn't ready for it. Not just King himself, but as a secondary you got to talk. He's not out. When you say he's out there on the island by himself, yes, that's one thing as a cornerback. I enjoyed that, 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 that position as a cornerback. But you still need to communicate. I'm still looking at Michael Downs and Dexter Klinkscale at all times, making sure we're on the same page in this crucial moment. If nothing else, you want to make sure, okay, you don't want to give up the field goal, but the overall 
concept is, please, you can't give up the quick six. Hey, and Everson, right after that, at the beginning of the second half, uh, you remember Tampa Bay got the turnover, and so they're down at the 10-yard line or whatever it was, and you knew that Brady was going to take a shot. after It's the old sudden change. He was going to take a shot to the end zone. And, and Tampa Bay came out with three tight ends, okay? So they got this bunch formation. And then they just released Cameron Brake, their tight end, and nobody covers him. <laughs> I said, as the play was starting, when they came out in a bunch formation, I said, he's throwing for the end zone. I mean, because because you knew that was his best opportunity. He was he was. They were trying to uh, think, make him think that okay, we're going to try to run it, run it, run it. And it, sure enough, it was a play fake, and Cameron Brate is wide open. How do you not cover the tight end releasing on that? It's unbelievable. I got to tell you, the number one um, hero of this this entire game. Uh, and that all comes from trust, is the fact that Todd Bowles knew everything Aaron Rodgers was going to do before he did it. I think Todd Bowles is one of the better defensive coordinators in this league. He, he wasn't a good head coach because that's just not his personality. He is exactly where he likes to be right now. I'm, I don't want to discourage anyone from trying to hire him like they're going to listen to me uh, as, a, as a head coach again. But I do know he is extremely good and extremely comfortable at being a defensive coordinator. And I would dare say, based on how he took a 40-plus-year-old quarterback and hid all his, his faults behind his defense that was able to cover Brady's butt for as long as they could, Right now, they are on a roll. And let's be real, guys. They have a chance to beat KC. Well, I know we'll get into that a whole lot later, but right. if anyone has a chance to hold down that great Kansas City offense, it's the experience of a Todd Bowles defense. And you and know what? Way, he probably... He probably he probably knew everything about Brady because his he he got his ass kicked by Brady twice a year when he was the head coach of the Jets, right? That's right. All right, we need to take a break, but and I don't want to give advice to the Houston Texans who have their I think their only team left that has a head coaching vacancy, but Todd Bowles would be a pretty good fit down in Houston as a as Ooh, a head coach there. That's good stuff he there, bro. Run a three-four defense. <laughs> All right, we continue with more mix shots in just a moment. Hey there, Cowboys fans. With Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery, cleaning your clothes has never been more convenient. Simply sign up at your local store, set out your dirty clothes, and one of our Tide Cleaners professionals will come directly to your home for a totally contactless experience. Your clean garments will be returned promptly the next scheduled delivery day, so skip the errand and enjoy life, not laundry. Visit TideCleaners.com or your local store to sign up for Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery today. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Grab some OtterBox gear and get ready for hanging with the boys. From rugged venture coolers to tough-as-nails elevation tumblers, we've got what you need to keep your game day drinks frosty and your football feast ice cold. And with cases, screen protectors, and power accessories, you can defend your phone and stay connected to every play. Gear up at OtterBox.com and amp up the fun of every Cowboys game. That's OtterBox.com. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Back, back, back. to Mick Shots. 
Tour AT&T Stadium, the home of the Dallas Cowboys. Run on the field, see the locker rooms, and so much more. Tours are available daily. For details, visit attstadium.com slash tours. Now, that is a very good sign, Mickey, that we have AT&T Stadium tours, Mickey and Everson, as uh, we come out of this pandemic. And 2021 is going to be so much a better year. When you're opening up the stadium tours, it's a great sign. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want, I want the Cowboy Legends... When they open that whole program back up again, that's what I'm excited about. I haven't been to an athletic event in I don't know how long. Man, it's been a while. I want to go see some Cowboys next year, man. Yep, that's right. You know, it's interesting. A year ago at this time, I was thinking about, and I was telling people at work at CBS 11, how exciting this year was going to be sports-wise. I'm talking 2020 a year ago. But, I mean, when you think about it, the Cowboys had a new uh, coaching staff. There was going to be so much going on in the offseason as we learn Mike McCarthy and we get to talk with all the, the new coaches and, you know, the new players they bring in and all that stuff. It's, it's, always, it's always a different type offseason when there's a coaching change, okay? There's more activity, whatever. And then – the new ballpark was opening up. The Rangers are going to be playing in a new ballpark. You look at the Mavericks and with Luka and KP healthy, and they were going to have a great year, you know. And then the the Stars also, and as it turned out, in the bubble, the Stars wound up going all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And then it was, you know, come March 11th, uh, it was uh, it was horrific the, the rest of the year. Here's how, so, here's how much so a I'm year. I'm holding out hope. Here's how much a year's changed. I think a year ago today, I was skiing at Beaver Creek. And I think mm. uh, that was one of the, well, I ended up going uh, to uh, New Orleans for our department trip early in February. It was probably the last time I'd been out of town. Uh, since, so you on as far as skiing is concerned, uh, not yet. With the bike incident and yes. the Achilles problem, you're on IR now for yeah <laughs> for skiing. Correct. We'll see. We'll see what happens next year, though. I kind of, yeah. I just, I kind of want to just go out there and sit and look at snow and be someplace different. You know. <laughs> You know, they uh, do anticipate having 22,000 fans in the stands in Tampa for the Super Bowl next week. I saw that. I got to say, guys, I, I, to me, I look at this regardless of the accomplishments of the Lakers and, and Tampa. You know, it's amazing that Tampa is, is uh, hosting the Super Bowl. The team itself, that's pretty amazing, you know, for it to happen during the pandemic year. But uh, in regards to the Hall of Fame ceremonies and things of that nature, it just seems to be watered down so much. And if I was going to go in, oh, trust me, I wouldn't be like, ah, not this year. I'm going <laughs> to wait till all of this is over with. It, it, nominate me again next year. I mean, I, I'm not, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but I will say that I, if I had a choice, if I had a choice, I would choose another year to go in and have all of these ceremonies, you know, more in a, a normal fashion as opposed to what we're looking yeah, at. Yeah, you want to have your, you would want to have your family there and friends yeah, and so forth. And, yeah, man. And think about all the bells and whistles. Think all about how how spoiled these people in Tampa are, right? Their their, their team's gonna be home. <laughs> For Super Bowl, <laughs> their hockey team, the Lightning, won the Stanley Cup, and the baseball yeah, team, man. the Rays, but, played in the World Series. But Mickey, Mickey, what? Mickey, it's it's typical Tampa though. All this happens in a year where the fans can't even enjoy it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the, you know their hockey team was in Edmonton or wherever they were playing, Toronto, wherever no, it was. No, they, they were in uh, Toronto. The Stanley yeah. Cup. And the baseball yeah, team so, was playing here, right? It was playing here, and so they didn't get to even enjoy it, you know? And, well, and they, only, only 22,000 fans can be in the stands, and those aren't going to be all Tampa fans and with all the corporate sponsors that you usually get tickets. Well, well when you look at the state of Florida, let's, let's not forget the Miami Heat was in the uh, NBA Finals as well. 
Yeah, we need to break this stuff up. <laughs> All right, about these Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, there's so much attention, of course, on the quarterback. But let me tell you, in fact, when McCole Hardman muffed that punt early in the game, I told my wife, who's a big Kansas City fan, because her quarterback is from Texas Tech, and she went to Texas Tech. So she's become this huge Chiefs fan all of a sudden the last couple of years. And uh, like a lot of people around here have. Uh, but I told her, I said, you watch this Hardman. He's going he's gonna to come back from that, and he's going to do something later in the game. And sure enough, he scored the first touchdown, and then they used him on an end around. And But you look at Hardman, and you look at Tyreek Hill, and you just look at the weapons that Mahomes has. Hardman, I looked him up at the combine. He ran a 4-3-3. I think handheld it was a 4-2-7 or something like that. Tyreek Hill... Laser time was a 4-2-9. And, I mean, when you have that kind of speed on the field, speed kills, right, Everson? Yeah, buddy. It sure does. <laughs> and it also – But you got to be able to play like, football, uh, too. Let's, let's be real. When I played in the, 80, in the 80s, two receivers came around that were two of the fastest players, I guess, to be in the NFL. One was Ron Brown, wide receiver for the uh, L.A. Rams, or Anaheim Rams, I think, at the time. <clears throat> and then also uh, Willie Galt, Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Now, you take a look at those two guys. They were part of, as NFL football players, in the offseason, they decided to run in, uh, I think it was Helsinki, on the USA 4x100-meter relay team. I don't know what position they were in. I've never seen it. I, I think I might look at it on YouTube after the game, after the show. But they set a world record. They were part of a world record 4 by 100 meter relay team. Willie Galt and Ron Brown. They were still NFL football players when they did it. So there's one thing to have to cover fast guys that are track athletes. But when you have someone like Bob Hayes, who is a football player, who just happens to be fast as hell, that is a totally different issue. So when you're talking about speed kills is one thing, but when you have an athlete, a true athlete, a football player who happens to have speed, like Tyreek Hill, who can change direction just as quickly as he can run straight ahead, that's when you have a problem. So, in other words, uh, Everson, now Willie Galt had football in his background, Ron Brown, but Ronaldo Nehemiah was a different story, right? Different story. (laughs) Track athletes, true track athletes who don't have football in their background at an early age, their their, their muscles are made to just run straight ahead. In football, you got to do all kinds of stuff. You've seen Beckham. You've seen Tyreek Hill. That you, you have to be able to move and change direction instinctly. And so track guys' ath- uh, muscles are just not made to make that lateral movement because everything that they do is all about going straight ahead. So That's the difference between a track athlete and a guy that, who's a football player who happens to be a fast track you know, fast player. And the, and the poster child for that was Alexander Wright, the Cowboys' second-round draft choice in 1990. He was a track guy, but, boy, he just couldn't run routes, and his hands were a little bit slower than his 4-3 speed, by the way. <laughs> I remember. I remember. Yeah, his, feet were, his feet were great, but his hands were slow. I remember. I remember at some point that rookie year, I, I went up to Jimmy and I go, "Why do you? Why do you start him? Why do you keep putting him on the field?" And Jimmy goes, "Well, they got to cover him because you never know when he's going to catch one." <laughs> well, you had we had uh, Johnny Johnny Lamb Jones, I think uh, the late great uh, yeah. Johnny Lamb Jones, yeah. uh, who also came to the Cowboys, one of the guys. Uh, from uh, Lampasas, Texas, if Lamp I'm not Passes, mistaken. Yep. One of the mo- he won, if I'm not mistaken, he won the Texas state title 
in high school in track uh, as a one-man team, if I'm not mistaken. I he, think so. He, yeah, he scored and every went to point the Olympics. for the track team in, in Lampasas, Texas, and he won state pretty much by himself. And he and was now, in the 76 Olympics in Montreal. Wow. Yeah, just think, I can't believe I was trying to cover these guys. <laughs> I don't know. I think I just tried to block it out of my head just how fast they were. Well, they but had, no, they, they, but they weren't a threat. They just weren't threats to on the football field at all. You know, the Cowboys had another guy, sort of like I think it was he was a rookie year last year, uh, Dixon. Uh, yes, he was, he was kind of a small. He, Number eighty six. He, he's the guy that got you in trouble in Arizona. Remember, because when Troy got knocked out. <laughs> He caught that touchdown pass. It was about 68 yards to tie the game. Right. Right. <laughs> but, but he was another guy because the next year they were thinking about they, they were going to try and move him to like running back and have, have like a, a hybrid tailback. And I remember Jimmy, Jimmy, said, Jimmy said, he goes, yeah, sometimes with, with, with Dixon, you're better off handing the ball to him than throwing the ball to him. <laughs> and, you know, let's be real. Dixon, uh, he wasn't the brightest bulb in the yeah, pack. I yeah, mean, that's, yeah. So you have, to, you have to be aware of what you can do. But when you look at Dixon, uh, he is that, that uh, Tyreek Hill. Yes. I mean, if he would have, you know, just had the ability, the mental ability and all of that to put it together. Because I, I, I've been looking at some YouTube videos. He caught a nice skinny post on me. Uh, and we, we were so uh, uh, intent on not letting him catch it. My safety almost knocked me out because it was something that we anticipated. But, yeah, Dixon was – he had the ability, but uh, physically. It was just mentally he just wasn't there. You talk about that incident – in Arizona, that was the big beginning of the end of my career <laughs> with the Cowboys. But it was the, the uh, beginning of my career as a Super Bowl winner with the Giants because if it wasn't for that incident and Jimmy Johnson and I cursing each other out uh, going down the ramp in Arizona, then I would probably uh, still would, would have been a Dallas Cowboy. No telling how, how that would have turned out. And before we go to break, all right, here's a little trivia question for you. Now, you mentioned Johnny Lamb Jones at the University of Texas in Lamb Passes. He was on that gold medal winning uh, sprint relay team in the 1976 Olympics in Montreal. How high was Johnny Lamb Jones drafted in the NFL draft in 1980? What pick hmm. was he? I think he was late. Hey, you got him late? I what think, round? I, I don't remember. That was before my NFL days. I, okay. I, first of all, I all didn't right. know he was drafted in 80. Yeah. He was this. I, I had no this. idea because by the time he came around to the Cowboys, I think it was uh, around 86 or 7 or so. You're, you're okay. You're going to be shocked by this revelation. Johnny Lamb Jones was the second pick in the draft no in way. 1980 by the New York Jets. Yes. Wow. Billy Sims went number one to the Detroit Lions, and Johnny Lamb Jones went number two to the New York Jets. What? Billy Sims? Anthony oh Munoz went number three to the Cincinnati Bengals in 1980. Hall of Fame. Talk about another sprinter. Everson, Curtis Dickey. Out of Texas A&M, went number five to the Baltimore Colts in 1980. Well, in 1981, we were running behind him for about 80 yards <laughs> at Baltimore. <laughs> I, I've seen that speed. I mean, I was way back there, but, yeah, I, I saw it. Yeah, I did. Uh, and, uh, and so Johnny Lamb Jones was the number one rated receiver coming out in that draft with that kind of speed. Art Monk. First round pick of the Redskins, number 18 overall in 1980. All right, we're back with more mix shots in just a moment. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and... Dr. Pepper time Pour it in a glass of ice 
Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. To mixed shots. Cowboys Nation, get the best deal of the season. 60% off all salute to service and crucial catch gear. You heard that right. (laughs) 60% off these limited time collections. Plus, the Pro Shop has a huge selection of cold weather gear and more deals for every fan. Visit your local Dallas Cowboys Pro Shop or go to shop.com. DallasCowboys.com for the best savings on your new gear today. Hey, you know what I'm doing right now, Mickey and Everson? Sounds like you're shuffling paper. What's up? No. (laughs) That's me. That That would be me. Uh, What what I'm doing is I'm watching individual drills, the national squad at the Senior Bowl on the NFL Network. They are no longer at Lad People's Stadium in Mobile, Alabama this year for uh, the practices leading up to the game at the University of South Alabama instead. And, oh, yeah, there you go. There's an Oklahoma Sooner of a center. <laughs> Creed Humphrey right there. And so I'm going to watch this for a little bit. And, uh, Mickey, you can take it away. Creed Humphrey is lined up at center. Now we're going to work with the left tackles there. Got a kid from Notre Dame lining up at left tackle. Oh, I'm going to spend the rest of the afternoon watching this stuff, Mickey. And I bet there's not many people surrounding the field as normal watching those games, right? No, there's especially, nobody. Especially Empty from stands. There are some people up in the stands, in the stands, which would be NFL scouts. Teams can have up to 12 individuals in attendance. Is that right? I think it's 10, I read. 10, okay. They're limited to 10 personnel uh, to scout the event. And as you said, the game's being played this time at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. Uh, they've uh, already sold out like 6,000 tickets. And the media availability is very, very limited. Uh, you know, they used to let us on the field uh, after the practice to kind of, you know, pick out who you wanted to interview. That won't be allowed. Uh, they're going to have four players per practice to be interviewed. Uh, and the interview has to, the media will be uh, socially distanced in sections in the, in the stands. Uh, and then they'll have some e- evening phone line uh, interviews, Zoom calls, things like that. Uh, and uh, boy, they used to be able to hang out at the hotel and bump into people. Uh, that's not happening uh, any longer. Uh, and as you said, the, the, it, the, this year it'll be the national team versus the American team. No more North uh, and South. Uh, but they did uh, manage to get Devonte <laughs> Devonte Smith. Why is it no more north and south? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mickey, explain to Everson. I, 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 I'm not sure. <laughs> no, you're not going to drag me into that. Uh, 
because it it very easily could happen. By the way, uh, and, and, oh my God! Although you know what happened though, because of the the invitations and uh, you know not knowing who was going to come or who couldn't, uh, I think they had a hard time dividing it up geographically. So they just kind of put people on teams. But Devonte Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, is. Competing in this Senior Bowl, and I read where he's only the tenth Heisman winner to participate in a Senior Bowl. The other nine, Doak Walker. I, I got one of them. Shut up, Marty. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was the last one uh, Heisman Trophy winner to participate. If I go backwards, Tim Tebow, Troy Smith, Carson Palmer. Bo Jackson in 1980, 1974, John Capaletti, Pat Sullivan, Alan Amici, and Doak Walker. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Bo Jackson in 1974? What is a third grader? It says, comma, 1974, Bo Jackson. It should be 1986, right? No. That's what it, that's what it has. I, you know what? Bo Jackson... Bo Jackson, as a sixth grader, could have competed in the senior he probably bowl. Could I was have 14 really years old. <laughs> <laughs> they probably did enough athlete as a sixth grader. He could have. He would have been like 83 or so. Well, it's 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 maybe. Well, Carson Palmer. It says he's probably 19, 84 instead of 74. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah, they made yeah, a typo yeah. on that thing. Anyway, yeah, things have changed. Uh, good catch, Bill. Good <laughs> things have changed. You know, they, they also got rid of the East-West Shrine Game and also the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl uh, got canceled. And the way uh, – That's right, because we can't, we can't have the East play in the West either. That's right. No. No, no we can't. No way. <laughs> in fact, uh, the players started arriving on Saturday because they had to do their COVID testing uh, and had to pass through multiple times th throughout the week. And this year, each player gets his own room. And how about this? For the first time, NFL teams had to buy into the bowl game. They're paying for club suites uh, at the new stadium uh, uh, for interviews with players. Uh, so that's how they're kind of raising money to help out uh, with the loss because of lack of fans being allowed into the stadium. So this whole thing. Uh, is different. As a matter of fact, it was a couple weeks ago, and I was talking to uh, Will McClay. He wasn't even sure they were going to, you know, they had all these plans to have the game, but he wasn't even sure, you know, who was going to be allowed there. So from a team standpoint, even if you only have uh, a limited amount of personnel at the practices, they record those things, and you, they, they send them out to all the teams, so you could, you're able to... Uh, you're able to watch the practices. You just don't get that one-on-one -on -one, uh, capability with these players. And to me, that's one of the most important things, especially with the combine, which, by the way, that has changed uh, significantly also. You guys, uh, I, 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 I was one of those guys. I was truly blessed to have the career that I had because when you think of where I came from, None of that recruiting crap I was uh, privy to. Uh, had to, you know, basically beg my way onto Grambling for that last scholarship. Uh, no, I mean, I led the nation in interceptions, but I didn't get any uh, invitations to any of the, the big, you know, combines or any of that. I had my one experience in Jackson, Mississippi. It was a uh, Sheridan broadcasting network uh, bowl game, black college bowl game. And Sheridan was not the hotel. It was an African-American family that uh, was in media, uh, S-H-E-R-I-D-A-N. And they were, they were great friend to HBCUs. So they sponsored this game. Man, it was so cold in Jackson, Mississippi in February, like, 1,500 people showed up at the game. I didn't want to play that game. That's how cold it was. I felt like I was in Green Bay somewhere. I didn't know Jackson, Mississippi could be so cold. Uh, 
<laughs> but it was just so uneventful. Uh, happy to play in the game, of course. Uh, they sent some backup scouts down there to, to, to time us. There was no one of any prominence that was really there. So to be able to, to have the career I had and start at such a pitiful place, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm definitely blessed to, to have the career I had. But, boy, all of these things you're talking about, North, South, East, West, Shrine, All-American, Senior Bowl, things of that nature. You know, most HBCU players, we just don't get a chance to participate in that, and especially since, you know, all the, the bigger, the better players are going to the Power Fives now, uh, and that doesn't seem to be reversing course in any way. You just won't be seeing any HBCU players being prominent at uh, any of those. So to be able to come out my rookie year and my whole career to be able to, to play well against some of those guys that they thought deserved uh, those, though, that reputation more than the HBCU players, it felt real good to just stick it to the scouts' faces and, and, and stick it to all those uh, uh, owners and, and offensive coordinators that just really thought they knew better. That had a lot to do with the, uh, 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 how can I put it, the motivation behind my career. I think my whole career, I was still saying something like, yeah, take that. Take that. Yeah, that was pretty much my, right. my so, answer. So I'll, I'll tell <laughs> you, you, you mentioned how cold my first winter in Jackson, Mississippi, it actually snowed two inches. I want you to know that. That's crazy. And, That's and, crazy. And they were so worried. Nothing to stop that wind from just yeah. blowing right through your clothes. And they were so, <laughs> they were so worried that uh, we wouldn't be able to get back the next morning to put out the what was then an afternoon paper, too. Uh, they put us up in hotels overnight so we could just walk to work the next day. Well, it was two inches, right? I grew up in Chicago. <laughs> My, my buddy that I was working with grew up in Detroit, uh, or in St. Louis. So we went back to our, our, our apartments to get clothes for the next day, shower, change, whatever, and bring stuff back, right? The sports editor found out we went home, and he just gave us holy hell. <laughs> you drove home? It's like, it's like Tom. It's two inches. Come on. Give me a break. <laughs> Okay, we just got oh, like three minutes left, but Everson, a capsule version of how did the Cowboys discover you? Well, uh, Gil Brandt, you know, he's out there always looking at HBCUs. I always, I tell people all the time, he's good at finding cheap labor, and that's what <laughs> that's what uh, Gil is good at. So you know, he finds the cheap labor from all the HBCUs and some of the smaller schools. You know, Wachita Baptist, Cliff Harris, he found me just like he found Cliff, you know. Uh, it wasn't that hard to find. I mean, I was leading the nation in interceptions, and I was only four down four. Park, you were just down the road. Yeah, just down, <laughs> just down the street. Yeah, no doubt. A couple of, couple of lights away. But uh, I wasn't known in that manner at that time. But being at Grambling, really, I, I think that's how they looked at it. You know, Grambling's only a four, four-hour drive away. Uh, he sent, I think he sent uh, Jethro Pugh, the late Jethro Pugh, to come sign me. And, uh, you know, I don't know what they told uh, Jethro to offer me, but I have a feeling if he could work a deal with me, he could ke keep the difference. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's how Gil set it up. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe my $1,500 signing bonus could have been 2000 or 2500 you just never know. I don't know what Jethro walked away with. <laughs> sounds like it sounds like Drew Pearson's story when uh, they signed him uh, in Tulsa, and uh, after the draft, undrafted, and uh, Drew didn't even have enough. He said, "I didn't hardly had enough money to put gas in my car to drive to the hotel to meet uh, to to meet whoever was." was you know scouting him or giving him signing him to the contract so he got a $500 signing bonus right $500 signing bonus he went home and he basically told his wife well I got to go to the dorm because the guys are waiting for me after I signed and she goes well how much did you get 
And he goes, I got $250 because I took the other $250 to buy beer for everybody. <laughs> That's a lot of beer. Well, Especially for back in 1970. Maybe, maybe food, too. You never know, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. He, he figured I, yeah, could, I should pocket You could pocket get old some. Milwaukee. Right? You yeah. could get old Milwaukee, a six-pack of old Milwaukee for $1.89 back then. Hey, I, I wouldn't know about that, Bill. <laughs> hey, I, I, I bet I bet when you were uh, in an HBCU, right, at, at Grambling, you never thought a graduate from one of those schools would end up being vice president. Is that crazy? Is that crazy? Come HBCUs, on. we run the world, baby. <laughs> we taking over the world. Won't be long. <laughs> All right, and next week, uh, Super Bowl week, it's also Hall of Fame week. Drew Pearson will be finding out from big David Baker. He'll probably surprise him at his home or something next week uh, that he's going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, so, Everson, I want you to do your homework on the Hall of Fame finalists and uh, give your breakdown on who should be Hall of Famers in this uh, class this year. Excellent. Mickey, you can Excellent. do the same. Easy work. That's easy work. And uh, there's so much to get to next week, which will be, it'll be our own version of Media Day at the Super Bowl next Tuesday. And you keep on, watching uh, those shots. Senior Bowl practices, okay? I am. I am going to do that. I'll give you a full <laughs> that's, report that's on the your Senior Bowl. Assignment. <laughs> I'll open up my big green NFL draft scouting notebook. I purchased the notebook last week. I'm ready to fill it up. All right. We'll talk at you next week here on Mix Shots. Go Cowboys! This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!